Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Monday, February 6th. It is six minutes after 10, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So did you have fun at the party? It was the biggest global gender reveal party ever. Talking about the balloon. They pop that balloon. Isn't that when pink or blue comes out, and that's how you tell your friends and family that you're having a boy or a girl? No, that's not what happened. No, that's oh, it was no. something totally different. It was okay. a, it was a, it was a giant spy balloon from the Chinese government that flew all the way across the country. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the uh, senator from Florida, Marco Rubio, he said that despite China's claims otherwise, that they sent that balloon into the U.S. to send a message about the country and see what would happen. Yeah. The, so the first uh, segment of the show today, we obviously started with this, and he said, "Look." couple of things definitely happened here uh number one being that it it was a test of the chinese government on what they can get away with right like it is them seeing because even if you think joe biden is an above board person <laughs> funny right but even if you think joe biden is an above board person mm-hmm. he's clearly very weak when it comes to the u.s military and military might and the u.s's dominant place in the world we saw that in afghanistan look at the embarrassment that was and so at the very least even if joe biden were not a compromised person this was a clear test which biden failed again of the chinese seeing what they could get away with and in this case they got away with sending uh uh, this balloon or whatever you want to call it uh, across the continental united states uninterrupted uh, and then when you tack on the fact that Joe Biden is very likely compromised due to his business dealings with his son, it should give every American pause to ask the question how safe actually we are as Americans. And and Ted Cruz was on one of the Sunday shows and said basically this exact same thing. Well, listen, I, I want to start by doing something that I don't do very often, uh, which is commending Joe Biden for actually having the guts to shoot this down. That was the right thing to do. That is absolutely what the president should have done. Unfortunately, he didn't do that until a week after it entered U.S. airspace. He allowed a full week for the Chinese to conduct spying operations over the United States, over sensitive military installations, exposing not just photographs, but the potential of intercepted communications. And and more broadly, I I think this entire episode uh, telegraphed weakness to Xi and the Chinese government. And and to illustrate why, I I would just ask one, one hypothetical question. Imagine how this would have played out if nobody had taken any pictures of the balloon, if nobody in Montana had looked Mm -hmm. up and noticed this giant balloon, if it wasn't in the news. We know that when the Biden administration knew about the balloon, they said nothing, they did nothing, they didn't shoot it down. And at the end of the day, I think the only reason they shot it down is because it made it into the news and they felt forced to as a matter of politics rather than national security. That's a bad message for the Chinese government to hear. Well, the Pentagon has since disclosed that it's apparently happened four times before before right, never okay. quite all right. Left. all right um so this is the thing right and now the report has come out that uh, allegedly mm-hmm. the biden administration knew about this for multiple days mm-hmm. before they reported it to biden 
that's even worse than not shooting the thing down if that's true because that means the commander in chief is not actually running the US military. So this isn't like this is some high tech proprietary you know technology. Right. All you had to do was look up and see it. So it's almost like the Chinese government knew that and that they knew that the US government wasn't going to be able to hide this from us. And they wanted to know how we were going to respond. Yeah, and a lot of people, uh, as any time there's some some significant event, were having fun with this on social media. And I guess that's fine, mm-hmm. but it's really not funny, right? Like, it's really not funny that a government that hates our country, hates what's left of the American way of life, the America, what's left of American ideals, they they, they would love to destroy us, was able to send something across the continental United States over multiple days and nothing was done about it. And and there was no swift response from the U.S. government. There is no punishment that I'm aware of being discussed. They basically got away with it. And now we're, we're at the mercy of the Biden administration being transparent about what they collect mm-hmm. from the thing that was shot down. And we know how transparent they are. Yeah. I'm sure they'll get right on that. So uh, Libby Emmons works for the Post Millennial. So it's a really cool follow on Twitter. If you haven't followed them, Post Millennial is the name of the site. We get some of the audio that we play on this show from there. It's a really, really good follow. She appeared on a a program called Timcast. It's a podcast. And Libby Emmons, uh, in addition to the Post Millennials, she's written for multiple publications. Um, and that doesn't really matter. But she had a really incredible take mm. about what's going on in this country right now in regards to foreign policy. And when you actually hear her say it, you realize she's basically right. And that's really scary. Meanwhile, they have uh, China said that their military needs to be ready by what was it, 2027 to invade Taiwan. And Biden has said that we will militarily defend Taiwan. So now we're we're literally looking at in our lifetimes a two front war against China and Russia. This is a disastrous situation. I mean, if Obama was talking about the managed decline of the United States, this is the managed destruction of That's the United I, States. It's not even a decline. It's it just like, hey, let's just destroy ourselves. I called it this with, uh, I, and I, I did a video right. leading with Jack Posobiec's story about how his neighborhood fell apart. It's a slow motion controlled demolition. We've said it. Yeah, I times. love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so they're surveilling strategic sites in the U.S., which is a completely unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. And now we've got China engaged in the fastest military buildup since the Second World War. And they're trying to sanction-proof their regime. And they're preparing, what, their citizens for war? Well, the reality is we we have it... You can be anti-war and still have a vested interest in a robust military that can properly defend, defend being the key word, this nation. And uh, we do not have that right now. We do not have the military capability to properly defend this nation, much less engage in some sort of international conflict abroad and still properly defend this nation. So there is a difference. You can be anti-war. You know, the old saying, don't start nothing, won't be nothing, and still believe in a robust military. You know, what's the old Ben Franklin saying? An ounce of prevention is better than a pound, pound of, of cure, cure or what, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Um, and that's absolutely true. But in this case, this administration is so weak. And look, 
China knows when they sent the balloon. China knows when it entered the U.S. China knows that the U.S. military, whatever under whatever branch it would fall, would be aware as soon as that would enter the airspace, right, of the of the United States and its its properties. And so they know how long it took from whenever it actually did that for Biden to respond. We don't know it yet, Mm -hmm. but they do. And they also know, as we all know, that in addition to that, they got days of this thing going across the entire country with nobody knowing what's in it or anything else. And there it went. So China not really fearing repercussions or any acts of aggression, right? And if there is this conflict over Taiwan, China's got the home field advantage for sure. And do you think that they're going to look at our upcoming 2024 election as a time that this country will be distracted? Well, you're right. With other things? And you don't don't know what their intentions are. And it's a very, it's a very scary, this balloon thing is very scary. Well, Uh, and now Anthony Blinken's not going on this meeting that was never really officially locked in anyway, but now he's canceled going over there. Okay, so one thing I wanted to point out, isn't it kind of amazing how little woke ideology means when you talk of real conflict? Yeah, you're right. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's and we see this all the time, right? Like when your safety is threatened or whatever, mm-hmm. all these other extracurricular, peripheral, or whatever you want to say things don't really seem to mean all that much. China is not our friend. China is our enemy. China would love to wipe us off the face of the earth. And they got away with the big one here. Hey, speaking of horrific things, can we talk about Tony Romo when we come back? Yeah. And his announcing? Because <laughs> we had we had mentioned this. The intervention. L- last... We were talking about Tom Brady. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, everything we said, apparently, at least it's basically now been reported in the New York Post that we were apparently largely correct just pulling it out of our backsides. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, on the way from 93 WIBC. Nineteen minutes after ten, it's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC trending this morning. John Mellencamp, he kicked off his live and in-person twenty-three tour last night at the IU Auditorium. He's got a show there tonight as well, which is at eight p.m. So I talked to my uh, good friend Troy Kennett, yeah, who I will publicly out here, who uh, one of the great, great. Uh, musicians in the history of Central Indiana is the keyboard player mm-hmm. for Mellencamp said they had a blast. I thought, thought it went really well, and he's excited to read all the reviews. So uh, we were talking before the show mm-hmm. that it's pretty amazing how few of these guys, and by these, by these guys I'm talking about from that era of music, are still left and out actively touring touring as they were mm-hmm. when they were right like so like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant I think occasionally do solo projects or team up with other people or whatever but it's not Led Zeppelin on on stage right and the Rolling Stones obviously are still together and go I think the Who are still largely together and and go at least you know, the you know uh Moon or not Moon, uh, Pete Townsend and uh, Roger Daltrey, but there aren't many of the people who were still doing the thing. So yeah, you've got well, your guy Bruce Springsteen yeah. out on tour, and he got the E Street Band back together for that, didn't he? <laughs> of course, like the whole band, right? Yeah, uh huh, uh huh, and it sold out shows, and mm-hmm. so I think people are excited to see that again. But there are not very many uh, people. Let yeah, let... you got bands like Journey, but it's not it's not real, Casey. right? And hey. then you got like Van Halen, but like 
Eddie's not there anymore. And Willie Lee Nelson. Roth. I mean, Willie Nelson's Stop, still doing Kevin. the thing, isn't he? Stop. He's like 80. He's on 193. He's 90, y'all. Okay, and just for yeah. clarification again, mm-hmm. Journey, Sticks, mm-hmm. Foreigner do not count because it's not the original people who wrote and sang all the songs right. in the band anymore. And that was the whole point that like Mellencamp was one of the last guys yeah. who's got his, Doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Also <laughs> trending. You. Also trending again this morning, St. Elmo Steakhouse. We talked about it last week, how it was voted as the most romantic steakhouse oh, in yeah. all of Indiana. Mm-hmm. This time, Food Life is saying that it is the most expensive restaurant in well, Indiana. Well, no kidding. <laughs> that doesn't surprise anybody. What huh? are the uh, three of us going to go over there for a mentoring session? <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. I'll cover I'll, the bill. I'll, I'll, oh! <laughs> The producer money's coming in strong, so. You pick the date, then. Oh, Kevin. (laughs) Kevin, you're so funny. You guys can order whatever appetizer you want. As long as it's under $6. (laughs) Finally, trending Harry Styles. He won Album of the Year for Harry's House in Grammy at at the Grammys last night. For what? Uh, Harry's House, Album of the Year. Okay, so you're a a bit of a music aficionado. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Do I like it? Yeah, I like Harry Styles. Well, I mean, you're, well, no, 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 I wasn't going to ask you that. What I was going to ask you was, there was a time (laughs) where winning album of the year was a super big deal. And when the Grammys were a super big deal. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that anymore, right? Like I didn't no. I didn't even know. Do you think streaming affected that? Because now everyone's just listening to whatever they want from yes. streaming instead of hearing everything from uh, radio. Yeah, everything's very fragmented, so you don't have a huge group of people all listening to the same song that yeah. is fed down the radio. People get it from all over. Well, I yeah, think the true. other side of this too, and you'll appreciate this because you're you're a musician. And Casey, you're a little bit more seasoned than Kevin and I, so you probably remember the days when people still made albums, mm-hmm. right? Like there was something to buying the album, right? The artwork. The liner notes. The liner notes. The lyrics. And then you realized at least with some people, mm-hmm. and I say this from primarily the people that I listen to, the album itself was a collective statement, right? Like every Rolling Stone song is exactly the same. If you're looking for a deep, meaningful experience, you're not going to find that in the, the anything from the Rolling Stones. But many albums, especially from more singer-songwriter type of people, every song was as important to the fan because in the context of the album, every song told a story that was vital to the album. Yes, one or two songs might have been quote-unquote the hits, mm-hmm. but to the actual fan itself the songs all held equal weight because they were telling a similar story and yeah. you needed the album itself mm-hmm. the the actual album to understand the context of everything yeah, else people, people don't listen to music that way anymore you don't put on a platter and listen to the whole thing right now you just have tracks yeah. and you like, go straight to the one song that you like yeah it's like fast food you just get whatever song you want right away yeah your generation ruined it for everyone kevin <laughs> good job I'm so sorry whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right. <laughs> it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC at 1024. And during the last off-season, CBS Sports executives recognized that Tony Roma kind of was lacking some luster. <laughs> His NFL analysis has, has faded. And as a result of that, 
They staged what they called an intervention. Now, I'll tell you what it's called. Mm -hmm. It's not an intervention. Mm -hmm. It's called an air check. (laughs) This is when the bosses come in and tell you what you did good and what you did bad. Yeah. Well, and so we have talked about this before. Like, in the context of characters, right, or characters, Mm -hmm. either way, on a television show, you get that in 30-minute intervals or you know it used to be the formula for the sitcom you would get like kramer okay mm-hmm. the kramer character was great because every week it was like maybe five to ten minutes of cosmo kramer right mm-hmm. Sa- same thing with dr fraser crane on cheers now the fraser crane of the show fraser was different and much deeper than the wild and wacky supporting or or latka on taxi or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. so you get these wild and wacky people who you go wow they're so interesting i really want more of that except if you got more than five to seven minutes a week you of don't that want more of that which is why and you know our boss our bo- we have a really phenomenal boss here i know we're going to run long here but he'll be fine with it because we're going to say something nice about our boss david wood <laughs> david wood told me our boss who is who has put together this entire air staff basically from scratch david wood basically took a chance on every hammer nigel tony me you mm-hmm. uh, all people in some way he took a chance on and he is a phenomenally gifted person at finding and molding talent which is part part of the reason this radio station does so well he told me very early on when i got here he said this and it's always stuck with me he said you need to be in broadcasting a Frasier, not a Kramer. And what he meant by that was, if you think about two incredible characters and two of the greatest shows that ever were, Seinfeld and Cheers, the reason Frasier got the show is because there was nuance mm-hmm. and a sense of normality to the Frasier character that could become a great TV show. Where Kramer was so wacky and over the top that outside of the five to seven minutes, there was no depth to it. There, it was super cherry chip ice cream that in small doses is fine and wonderful, but you're not buying carton after carton after carton. There has to be a certain level of vanilla ice cream to you. My point on all of this is Tony Romo's first year, people were like, oh my gosh, this guy knows so much about football and he's so into football mm-hmm. and he's so kind of wild and wacky. This is great. But then you realize it's three hours every single Sunday mm-hmm. and there's no depth to the Tony Romo character it's just I have to keep over exceeding the wild and wackiness of this persona and really people just want to watch football and they want the analyst to just describe football like John Madden was a character but most of his time was spent actually describing football and there was a certain certain normality to John Madden, which is why he got the football game. So it's interesting because the executives that were meeting with Romo, they reviewed tapes and then they went to dinner and they discussed the broadcast. And that doesn't happen for us. We don't, <laughs> we don't get dinner. Can we get dinner? That'd be great. Uh, but he's got this 10-year deal and it's worth $180 million, And so they want him to be the best he can be. But Jim Nance, the guy that he does it with, has had problems with previous partners. So part of me wonders, is, is Roma bored? For one, is he like, okay, I've done this for a few years. I'm kind of over it. It was fun to start with, but it's not football. This was the second job, and I'm kind of bored with this now. Or 
is it the guy he's doing it with? Well, I think and I know we got to get to a break because the uh, always professional Kurt Darling has the news coming up. But uh, I think I think a big part of it is when and we talked about this with Tom Brady when you've never been the thing, mm-hmm. right? And you got hired because you're a name in the sport, but the thing is the broadcast, right? A great broadcaster can make anything seem interesting. A football player does not necessarily, or a great football player does not necessarily have the ability to make a broadcast interesting, right? A great broadcaster could make football interesting even if they're not a football guy. A great football player cannot necessarily make broadcasting interesting because this is really hard. And this is exactly what we were talking about with Tom Brady and and his big contract. Is he going to be successful? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Kurt Darling has the news next, but uh, voicemails. Yep. Uh, Gert. Gert called. Did Gert call? Gert called. Do we know how old she is? Uh, Did no, she say anything personal about herself? But she herself? definitely dated herself. Oh, yes. There's a definite <laughs> dating. Fantastic. Well, that's worth hanging around for. It's Kennelly Casey on 93 WIBC. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. One of the songs that will be on the Kendall and Casey playlist on Spotify just after noon when we post that up for you. Of course, you can just search it out if you're a Spotify user, Rupert Holmes. I, I did put a Harry Chapin song in the playlist for you, Rob. Thanks. We're all represented. How exciting. <laughs> How exciting. It is Kennelly Casey on 93 WIBC at 1035 317-684-8444. That's our phone number for your voicemails. Do you remember last week when we played the audio of the woman from Barstool complaining about men who eat soup? Yes. And she said that you're basically a total wimp if you eat soup and mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before and yeah. didn't know if women actually thought that. Well, our our old our old uh, favorite listener Gert called, mm-hmm. and Gert. Uh, okay, so I I did not even know this was a show. You're again a little bit more seasoned than Kevin or I mm-hmm. uh, or me. Uh, do you remember a show called Mary Hartman? Mary Hartman. Yes. For real. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think you were that many years older than us. You know, uh, anyway. You, you know, Rob, <laughs> there, were, there were still landing men on the moon when I was born. I predate barcodes at the grocery store. Uh, I've never heard of this show, and I thought Let maybe... Let gasoline! I, I thought maybe Gert was having a senior moment or something when she describes this show, but I looked it up, and indeed it is a real show. Wikipedia describes it as a satirical soap opera that aired in daily weeknight syndication from January... 76 to July of 77. So you remember this. I was well on my way. Sure. Okay. I was already in school at that point. Okay. So she, in regards to the soup thing, she references <laughs> the show, which is a real show, which would, as we talked about, how old is Gert? Uh, one of the great mysteries of this show. This would date Gert a little bit if she distinctly remembers the show. Take a listen. Hey, people. It's Gert. You're talking about men eating soup on Friday. I know you are all way too young, but maybe you've heard of the kind of a soap opera type program back in the 70s. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Well, the coach was eating a bowl of soup and he was supposed to be a manly type man. 
he fell over into his bowl of soup, might have been chicken soup, and died. So it was not a good thing for him. <laughs> Look it up. Okay, bye. Yeah, okay, you remember this. She's talking about Leroy Fetters, and he drowned in a bowl of Mary's chicken soup in the first season. Oh, so you remember this? Yeah. So women have been going after men for eating soup ever since the 70s. <laughs> Things just don't change. I believe Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, it aired, uh, do you remember the show Soap? Yes, with Billy Crystal, very early yeah, Billy Crystal. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of okay. around that same era. I had never heard of the show, and I like to think I'm a vintage aficionado, mm-hmm. but I'd never heard of the show. Okay, well, now you got something to look up Perfect. and research. Thank you, Gert. Yeah, great. Okay, remember uh, last week when we were talking about somehow Kevin got on that he was talking with somebody mm-hmm. and they randomly started discussing Wabash County. Right. And yeah. said it was the first electrified city? Yeah, the first uh, electrically lighted okay. city in the world. How did you get on this again? So my friend, uh, he w- he works around the state. Um, he does like uh, sheet metal stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, buildings. yeah. Okay. And, uh, so he, they went to Wabash for the day. Okay. And I think they have, I, I think someone might have told him this. Or maybe they have one of those like landmark signs. Sure, right. Shows- okay. All right. Well, that's not nearly as interesting as I thought it was. It's not as interesting as you handing stickers to men at the urinal. <laughs> uh, but a guy who's actually on the Wabash uh, County Council yeah. called the show. Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, long time listener, first time caller, Nick Kopke here. I am from Wabash County. Uh, I actually met Rob at the RNC convention last year. He was very nice and kind to me, Aww. contrary to what other people would think. <laughs> Uh, but Wabash County was indeed the first electrically, electrically lighted city in the world or nation. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I was recently elected to the Wabash County Council, or I'm sorry, the Wabash County Council. Uh, I took Larissa Sweet's seat. Uh, she is a freshman rep down at the Indiana State House. I think you guys should get to know her. I think she's a champion for people like us, so... And uh, I get uh, most of my Indiana political news from you guys, so keep up the good work. Don't make me look stupid. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, yeah, congratulations so, to him. So is it the, in the world or the nation? That's what we need to find out. It's got to be in the nation. Yeah, because the no world way in seems the like world. a stretch. In the nation, you although, think? Although we would have maybe been in the world, because didn't we invent electricity here? Now I've got to do some research yeah, on Wabash right. County, huh? Didn't we? Let's let's look into that because there wasn't electricity invented here, right? No, yeah, pretty sure. So if it was here first, clearly it'd be in the world, right? It's not like oh, we invented it here. Let's give it to France. Yeah, I mean that it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, I don't want to sell Wabash short, so maybe we should just do yeah, let's, research. Let's look it up. Are you sure it was in the country and not just the state? No, I think it was in the country. I yeah, because if it was in the state, that's, that's not, not that big a deal. It's not very impressive. Yeah. Okay. okay, we'll look it up. All okay. right. Uh, one more phone call. Of course, you mentioned last segment, Casey, the uh, old guys are back out on tour. And John Mellencamp. Right. And then obviously Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Now, I don't mean in any way diminish what John Mellencamp is doing, but Bruce Springsteen is not playing the auditorium in Bloomington. He's playing like large venues in like Atlanta, Georgia and yeah. Tampa, Florida. Well, and, and John Mellencamp, where is he going? He's going down to, I think, Orlando. Yeah. He, he just opened up the tour yeah. in Bloomington. I mean, these two guys are not on the same scale, but that's okay. okay. It's not that big a deal. Anyway, <laughs> uh, some lady called and she wanted to complain about Bruce Springsteen. Hey, Rob. Hey, Casey. Uh, love the show. Try and listen every morning. 
just want to um, make a comment on Rob's favorite person, the boss. I don't understand how you, as a patriot, would like him, mm. period. Uh, he just, the song, Born in the USA, is so anti-America, I just don't understand it. Would love for you to play this message on the air and explain it to me. Hope you all have a great day. Kevin, like you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for the phone call. Now, Rob Kendall. <sighs> We have explained this 9,837,635,932 times. She's a longtime caller, first-time listener. But we'll make it... I know. I did that on purpose. Yeah, I'm thanks. glad you, you thought I wasn't it. paying attention, right? <laughs> so we'll make that whatever number I just threw out, 933. Okay? All right? And then and then I'm done. Okay. I've, exp- I've worked at this radio station for six years, and it seems like... The, I, People don't listen. What do you have to say for yourself? I have answered this question. Okay, first of all, and Kevin and I talked about this at length in the mentoring session one time. (laughs) From 1975 to 1985, Bruce Springsteen released five of the greatest albums in consecutive order in the history of ever. I would put that 10-year period from 1975 to 1985 up against any artist in the history of music. I'm talking albums sold. I'm talking touring popularity. I'm talking everything. Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, The River, Nebraska, Born in the USA. The rest of Springsteen's work is not nearly as good. But that 10-year window and those five albums stack up against any artist in the history of music. And yes, I'm talking including the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. The dude was the first guy to ever be on the cover of Time and Newsweek in the same week. Okay, that's the first part of it. Okay. So the five albums alone, Mm -hmm. boom. Second of all, Mm -hmm. and I've told this story before, before I was as mature as I am as an adult today and a pillar of strength in this community, I didn't always have the coping mechanisms Mm. that I do as a grown-ass man today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Bruce Springsteen's music Mm -hmm. serving as sort of almost a voice from above was almost like the narrator of my life. And that had a very profound and positive impact on my life when I didn't always have the coping mechanisms that I do today. There. So, Bruce <laughs> That's Springsteen- the nine millionth time I've explained this, but there it was again. So you, you sought some salvation in his music. I'm curious, how did you get into that? Because a lot of that music, 1975 to 1985, that predates your uh, existence. My parents didn't believe in me enjoying things from the present. I had to enjoy things from the past. We also yeah. talked about that too, Casey. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do a deep dive on that so one? That's, so that's no, why my, you got into... Bruce- well, I was into old music. Yeah. You missed out on the early grunge scene in the yeah. early 90s because you listen to that old music. I used to listen to like Darkness on the Edge of Town on a loop all mm-hmm. night long. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing she did say, and this angers me, Born in the USA is not an anti-American song. It is a song about a soldier who comes home from the Vietnam War, as millions of people did, and were treated very terribly by their country. It is essentially an autobiographical song about a soldier coming home from the Vietnam War, and there was nothing happy about that. Yeah, Those were not good times or good lives from the people. And, and that, so for his people, his age, it is the same way people like me feel about the Iraq War, mm-hmm. because that was my generation who went to fight, 
And it was in many ways a mirror of itself because it was a needless war that didn't benefit America. And the people who went and made the ultimate sacrifice were oftentimes treated very terribly, either in the media or by the politicians or the activists or whatever. And so that just gives me an excuse to play part of Born in the USA because, well, I'm not going to let her get away with that. Okay, so you're saying that you were interested in his music. Not Cue from the a, music, Casey! Not not from a Hold political down, the dead man's tall. <laughs> First kick it took was when I hit the ground. He ended up like a dog that's been beat too much. Spend every life just to cover <laughs> I was born in the USA. I was born in the USA. <laughs> I got in a little hometown jam, so they put a Send me off to a foreign land to go and kill the yellow man. It's the quietest you've ever been. <laughs> I was born in the USA. I was born in the USA. went to another place. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, wasn't so, it? that was so soulful. That's I've never the heard problem that with that song is he made the music to upbeat so people don't understand the words in the song. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of supposed to sound like a patriotic song, yeah. isn't it? But it's it's really just. Oh about, yeah, he totally did that to cash in. Yeah, yeah. he wanted some radio. Oh yeah, play. he took the money. He wanted someone to play it, and it became a <laughs> but hit. But the lyrics to the song mm-hmm. are awesome. Yeah. All right, it's Kendall and Hug Casey a veteran today. Ninety three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, 1052. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer and Nigel are in the studio with us. Hey, now! Gang's all here. All right, so Nigel did something over the weekend that we had to bring him in here Some to discuss. Some people did something. <laughs> Kendall Omar, Omar over. over here. Uh, would, Hammer, would you like to just introduce this so Nigel can explain what he did? So the, uh, the other half of the Afternoon Drive program <laughs> has a thing he calls an anger bet. <laughs> Nigel, explain to the masses what an anger bet is. When I almost win a bet but barely lose, that sends me over the top. I go into an emotional rage fueled by... Not only that, but by several beers. <laughs> and so I'm going to make up for this bet that I almost lost by this much and make an even bigger, more outrageous bet the next time. So you bet 20 bucks total on the IU and Purdue game, correct? Uh, two different bets. Live betting through okay. FanDuel. Um, live betting. So when Purdue was down... 10, I got him at plus 190, money line. Good value. Then when they were down 15, I got him at plus 500. Even better. So 
because Purdue's got to go on a run, yeah. right? Yeah. And they did. They were down by one. The number one <laughs> team in the nation. They got the best player in the nation. Guys like 7-9. <laughs> Edie. I, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of IU. I'm a fan of Purdue. I, I want Indiana teams to do well. I want to see them both in the tournament. And and when they lost, I, I lost it. So you lost all <laughs> 20 bucks. I, I lost. And, and, and it's our fault because, in fairness, he did say, I think I should cash out. And yes. you sent him the uh, you sent him the uh, Nicolas Cage meme of him pointing and says, they, keep going. They, and we, <laughs> they do a thing on FanDuel where if your team is doing well and it looks like you're going to win your bet, you can cash out early for not as much as you would have won if you would have kept going. So Does we, that make sense? We basically cost you the bet because I think you were going to cash out. <laughs> I mean, you tell me how much $10 plus 500 would have got me, what, like, 90 I would I would have won over 100 You screwed up you trust yeah, us <laughs> So your response and Nigel will always tee it up for us with the anger bet he will just say anger bet coming <laughs> And then moments later you did tell the public what you did Super Bowl <laughs> Philly Oh money line hmm? emptied the account Uh-oh $400 Oh <laughs> You so, got four bills whoa. riding on the Eagles. So you, like, Eagles. you lost $20, yes. and so your response was you my, my account has been dwindling for months. I haven't had a good bet. <laughs> and I, if you remember, I sent you the meme of of uh, Jack Nicholson and a few good men. You're damn right, I did. <laughs> Did you order the code red? Did you bet $400? You're GG red! <laughs> Look at his face. is yeah, all yeah. red. Hey, uh, we got to get to a break, but at the end of the show, can you come back? Because I had something I wanted to play for you that I pulled specifically for you. So for our final segment today, can you come back? Sure. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll it. let you tease what's coming up then. Is that good? Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. All right. Casey. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. Good luck with that bet, Nigel. Let's go! <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey on 93 W. IBC.